0: Let's do it.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a And we'll put you right at the straight at the top of the list. Go ahead and give us a call. We got Herbert's holding. Good morning, Herbert. Yes, sir. I have a 01 Pontiac Bonneville 3.8. It's got a minor antifreeze leak, and on the driver's side, on the upper, around the intake. I can't yeah. pinpoint where, uh-huh. but I'm just... I can I, almost tell you exactly where, <laughs> The intake manifolds knows those are absolutely notorious for leaking. And you're going to see a little bit right underneath the throttle body there, but that's really not where it's leaking. Mm-hmm. Take the throttle body off and look inside. Okay. And you're going see about a half a gallon of water inside that intake. Now, that's real, real, real dangerous because what is going to happen is that there's six tubes that come up from the cylinder heads to the top of the intake. Okay. And the water can build up until it hits the top of those tubes. And what happens is some leaks in there, and the engine heat balls it back down, and some more builds up, and the engine heat balls it back down, and it kind of goes up and down, up and down. And eventually, it gets to the top. You turn the corner, it pours over into the cylinders, and when it does, it takes the engine out. Okay, well. I rarely have to add water to the little reservoir yeah. to Atlanta back the other day. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: if you're having to add any at all,
1: at any it's at leaking. All. It's but leaking. it seems to be going to the outside. But it's leaking outside too. It is. But pull, there's also pull that throttle body off, and you go look inside, and you can see a whole bunch of it inside of there.
0: There's right. also a, a tube that plugs into the intake mm. that plugs into part it's of your the no the other side on the other side plugs into the belt tensioner. Yeah. It goes through the belt tensioner and into the heater hoses. Mm-hmm. Those are bad about going out, too. They'll but get brittle and break, but, that but that'll run out on the ground.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on the driver's side. Oh, I, know. I know exactly what yeah. i said. I've probably fixed hundred thousand of them over the years, but the fix is going to be to replace the intake manifold on it. It's oh. pretty common on it. Just take the throttle by over look inside. You're going to see it. But... It's a pretty costly job. Yeah. Though. I would not ignore it, though, unless you go get rid of the car, because I'm going to tell you, it will take – first thing it's going to do is probably take the oxygen sensor out, if it hadn't done that already. Next, it's going to take the catalytic converter out, and then after that, it's going to take the whole engine out. So you, you, and you, at you, that you point – You cannot drive the car. I mean, at that point, you, you pretty to
0: much it. totaled the car. Yeah, it's, it's either yeah.
1: go get rid of the car or fix it. Probably a $1,000 job or so. Okay. You, but, you uh, answered my question. I would do it as soon as you possibly could if you're going to do it, because I've seen a million of them, and, man, they, they'll take the engine out in a heartbeat. All righty. All righty. All right, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Herbert. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive aisle, we would love to have you. I hadn't had a call on those GM intake leaks lately, although they still seem to be leaking just about oh, as much as they always did.
0: They're still around.
1: Yeah, every one of them, for some reason, I think every car General Motors makes intake leaks on it one way or another, and yeah. they all leak in different ways, but the one, the 3.4 always leaked. Of course, those engines, I think, have gone away now. The 3.8, of course, always intake leaked. Right. Even the 5.3s and the 4.8s and the I hadn't seen it too much on the 6-liters, but 5.3 and 4.8 uh, leaks. Now, it doesn't leak coolant. It leaks air, and they start missing and running rough when they're cold.
0: Right. The old 5.7, when they changed, oh, yeah. the, changed the design of yeah, it, when they, they changed the intake gaskets, yeah, and they, they had a world when, of trouble with that.
1: Whenever they went to that central port injection, they yeah. got away from the throttle body and everything on them, uh, and then when they went to the multiport injection, they had a lot of trouble with them leaking. Yep. All completely different engines, but every one of them leaks. <laughs> 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 so who knows, man? Yeah. But, yeah, that's one of those things. It'll leak. It'll lose coolant. You won't really see it, and if a small, small misting amount gets into the engine, it just sucks it in with the air, it'll kind of burn it up, blow it out, tailpipe, and it'll just wipe out the catalytic converter. But if it swings a corner and a big gulp of it goes down there, it right. so hydrolock the engine.
0: That's right. You're not going to compress water.
1: That's right. Unfortunately, what happens to so many folks is that happens. The car dies kind of locks up they take it to the shop they say oh well yeah it had some water so we let it out and they put new intake on now it's fine no it's not it's been a rod <laughs> yeah and it's gonna run just fine for about two or three months maybe even six months and then bam throws a rod and the engine's gone so you kind of wasted all your money on that big repair you just did
0: exactly because so, all that has to come apart when you change the, the block out well
1: that's right and, and you probably wouldn't have spent the 900 to a thousand dollars repairing the intake if you knew the engine knew it, was going yeah, to go out exactly and you yeah, know that's kind of a issue i guess in fact, i have no lady in the shop just the earlier this morning. week sort of similar thing she had a little saturn and the car was losing coolant and it overheated on her so she tows it in or brings it into a dealership and they said well the water pump is leaking and it needs a timing belt and yah, yah, yah." Yeah. she ended up spending i don't know about a grand to do all that stuff gets the car back well it's still losing coolant and still overheating so Brings it back and they check it again and say, Well, the head gaskets are blown. It's going to be $3,000. Right. And.
0: So now you're into it for four grand. Yeah,
1: which she wouldn't have done had she known up front. Exactly. So it's not always possible to make a 100% diagnosis, but the better shops, I know I always try to explain to people this car has been severely overheated and normally at least on the more modern cars you can run the codes and it's going to have a code when it goes into severe overheat it'll be right temperature over so much whenever you see that you need to at least warn folks that yeah we've got a bad water pump here it's leaking onto the timing belt however the engine has been severely overheated so there is a possibility we could have further damage now if they decide to, oh, okay yeah, let's go ahead and fix it anyway well that's that's great but at very least you could have taken the thousand dollars you spent up front and put that towards, say, another engine. Exactly. Because you're close to the price of an engine anyway, and you still got an old engine that's been patched up, it's got a new time belt on it now that's and
0: more than likely has major problems Two new zone heads, but yeah, yeah, who knows
1: what else because Well that's it. Now the head gasket's been leaking, may have coolant in the oil, which could damage the bottom end, on and on and on and on and on. So hindsight is always twenty twenty. I don't mean to criticize other people, but you do have to do a thorough job and you do have to have some experience with the system to know, Hey, you may be getting in a bigger deal here than you think. Right. Because awful lot of times we get cars in and someone jumped in there and they did this, that, or the other and spent a fair amount of money. And by the time they've, figure out, hey, I'm not going to be able to fix this car, and they get it to you, and you check it, and you tell them what the scope of the real problem is, they're like, well, geez, I wouldn't have spent all this money already if I'd known this.
0: Right. We're just patching symptoms before, whereas you you get down to the root cause of the problem, then you have to make the decision. Yeah. Is the car worth fixing or not?
1: Yeah, and, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it is, but the thing is, if you've got the proper information ahead of time, and that's why I always recommend to folks, before you make a major decision on a car bring it in and let's do a general inspection on the entire car
0: exactly let's
1: see what else is going on here
0: right because we can take your vehicle in give it a check over look through it go through the whole vehicle right well and when you get to the point where you're done then you can say hey this vehicle has transmissions fixing to go right. out the rear ends making noise the brakes are shuttering right and a cooling system shot right you no, can make the decision there. No
1: use putting any more money into it. Exactly. And by the same token, we may say, hey, this is a very sound car, other than this problem. Right. So therefore it's a pretty good deal to go ahead and fix it because you, you can spend X so many... dollars and you can get probably another two or three years out of it. Right. But when you're looking at a big repair bill, and let's just go back to a transmission, because transmissions are generally pretty expensive, anywhere from probably two to three thousand dollars, depending on what kind it is. Say you're looking at a transmission a car, well, before you just go ahead and authorize that repair. You need to have a general inspection of the entire car. Because let's say we go in, we find, okay, the brakes are metal on metal, and the AC compressor is rattling. Well, now you got two more big repairs looming in the very near future. Correct. If you knew that, you might not have spent the money on the transmission.
0: Right. It might just be time to to find something else. Time to bail
1: and go get something else. And by the same token, if we check it and say, hey, the rest of the car is great, really no other problems on the horizon, okay, well, we spend $3,000 if we break that down over a three-year period, it's you're less than a hundred dollars a month. Right,
0: and don't think that buying a new vehicle is going to take that out of the equation, because you're spending three fifty, four, four fifty a month. Yeah, at least for a new vehicle, and there's a chance that it's going to break also. Well, it's going
1: to have to have at very least have to have maintenance and more expensive maintenance than what the old one did. So lots, and lots of things to think about. Hey, we've got to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. That's the best. I get your kicks.
2: So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new beau and me are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting?
3: Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road.
2: Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Ah, c'est la vie. My work here is done.
3: Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Just joining us this is the Automotive buyer. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us calls? And just in case you don't get a chance to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You
0: can always get your questions answered at our website. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that, it's Aldizan's Garage Company. That'll get you to our site. It has a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night. Just use the form on the site instead of anything that maybe you had saved, anything like that.
1: If you had sent me an email in the past and you saved me in your address book or whatever and you try to send it back to that address, it's not going to come to me because I was forced to put a program on there that scans all those out because I was just getting so much junk email I couldn't read them anymore. So when it comes from that website, it's going to know that, and it's going to go ahead and send it through. All the rest of them just go to a junk bin, and I don't get a chance to see them. So if you do send me an email and I don't get a reply back to you, just make sure you're using that form that's on the website. That's designed. That will come directly to me, and I will get and I will get an answer right back to you. Pop around there, see what you think. Got your vehicle questions, which is about 850 of those in there that have already been asked. It's short to the point, asked to a direct question. And then you got your detailed topics, which is a much more involved answer, just put one on there this morning on brake fluid. And brake fluid is one of those things that most people don't give it a whole lot of thought until...
0: They have a problem. Well, the
1: ABS light pops on and they, somebody hands them a bill for 2000 bucks, And they're like, oh, my God. That's right. What happened? And brake fluid... On modern cars, is made out of alcohol because alcohol is able to deal with the temperature extremes. It doesn't freeze to minus 40, and it can take over 400 degrees in boiling point. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason they use it. It also absorbs moisture, which is good because it'll absorb any moisture that gets into the system. The bad thing is, it doesn't quit absorbing moisture, and it becomes moisture laden at some point. When that happens, the boil point drops and it becomes corrosive.
0: Right. Starts so, attacking the, the sensors and the valves and right, the, all the things o- like.
1: Particularly the aluminum parts of the system cast iron's pretty tough, but there's hardly any cast iron in the brake system anymore It's all aluminum or magnesium or some other metal and when it starts to corrode this stuff up The seals start to leak next thing you know the ABS pump is running all the time because of valves bypassing Computer sees it wham light pops on and there you are with a big big repair bill that could have been prevented So read that article it'll save you a whole bunch of money and of course tons of other stuff on there Pop air suits see what you think, www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. And we got Drew online. Good on, morning, Drew. Hey, Lewis. Yes, sir. I got a 9540, 150 van, and recently I've noticed when I first crank it up and drive it and cruise about 45 or so, the transmission jumps in and out of overdrive, and then it doesn't seem to do it after it warms up. What do you think about that? Drew, it probably is not overdrive at that high of speed it's probably going in and out of lock okay. because it's probably already shifted into overdrive below that speed lock up is where the torque converter locks in and the rpm drop and it feels like a shift in a gear although technically it's not that sounds more like what would be at that speed there's a number of things that can cause that really just have to see it, it could be an electrical problem which is outside of the transmission do you ever get like a little shutter at around that speed, kind of like you run over a cattle guard or anything. No, I have not noticed that. Hadn't noticed that because that's when the torque converter starts to actually break down. It'll give you a little, little quick shutter. I tell you what, Drew. Next time it does it, while you're driving, keep your foot on the gas at the exact same speed you're going. And reach over with the other foot and just lightly touch the brakes. Don't apply them, but just lightly touch them and see if it quits doing it. Because when it sees brake application, it's going to knock you out of lockup. And if it quits doing it, it's a lockup type problem. That could be something as simple as a little switch in the brake master cylinder that senses the the brakes being applied. It could be a wiring issue. It could be all sorts of things. It could even be what they call a throttle position sensor on the throttle body. It sees how much gas you're giving. If it gets a bad signal. It can do all that kind of stuff. I think they call that fish bite or fish nibble. It's kind of mm-hmm, 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 kind of a deal. It may not be quite that rapid, but there's a number of things that can cause it. What you'd have to do if you try that and that fixes it, then you're into some kind of electrical issue. You probably need to get to a shop the day before, leave it with them overnight where they can drive it cold the next morning. Okay. And what might not even be a bad idea is for you to show up at the shop, get in the car with the guy, let him put a scan tool on it. Both of y'all drive it and say, hey, there it is. That's what I'm talking about. And he's got a scan, tool. He can see if the computer's commanding lockup or not, or that way you know whether it's a command problem or a sensor problem or a wiring problem or whatever. At least you know where to start looking. But right. that's kind of sort of what I would bet it's doing. Because anything that would knock you in and out of overdrive would also affect some other gears, too. Uh-huh. All right. I appreciate it. All right, Drew. Thanks, you. Thank you, sir. Bye, bye. If you want to be part of the automotive file, oh, we would love to have you. Why don't you go and just give us a call? We'd be glad to put you right up at the top of the list. And we got George online. Good morning, George. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. I have a '95 Ford Aerostar van. Okay. The last call had a '95. Yeah, he started. did. He had an E150. Okay, well, the power steering fluid it look is starting to look kind of milky, and I wanted you to change it out, and I yeah. wanted to know if, there's, if, if I just need to siphon that out. Tell if, you what, George, special no, fix. no, look, go on my website and just type in power steering fluid, and it's going to bring up an entire article with pictures and how-tos and everything else. Just follow the instructions on there. It'll tell you exactly how to change it. Beautiful. Y'all, there, y'all have a good a, day. Yeah, whole big old article on it tells you all about why to do it, when to do it, how to do it, and everything you want to know. That sounds great. All right, George. Thank you much. Thank Thanks you, sir. sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things that gets overlooked an awful lot.
0: Quite often. That
1: it's Power steering fluid.
0: You really don't realize you got a problem until there's a noise or the power steering quits working. Right. And, and by that time, it's too late.
1: Shops don't ever push that service just because, I guess, there's really no money to be made in it. And the average person can do that themselves very easily. Oh, Yeah. We've got a procedure on the website, and like I say, just go into the search bar and hit power Power steering steering or something to that, and it's going to bring up an article, and it'll give you step-by-step-by-step instructions, and I'll guarantee you, I mean, even if you got two left hands, you're going to be able to do this. Very simple to do, very inexpensive, and it can save you a ton of money. When you stop and think about a power steering pump nowadays, it's probably $300, probably another couple hundred bucks put it on. Yeah. Rack and pinions, probably $300. Oh, that's for a cheap one. A cheap one, all the way up to $1,000. Right. I mean, you can easily spend well over $1,500 on your power steering system for something that possibly could have been prevented.
0: And that's one of them systems also that is a closed system. That's right. So if you're having to add fluid, you got to leak. That's right. It's got a problem. It may not be leaking out on the ground. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the seal will go out on the end of the rack and pinion, Mm -hmm. and the fluid will leak past that seal and fill the boot up. Right and you can put almost a pint of fluid in those boots. Well, I bet you don't put a quart
1: between two boots. Yeah,
0: and, and you never see it on the ground. you not
1: see any on the ground. It's leaking past the seal into the dust boot, kind of like a wheel and does the same thing. It'll exactly. It'll past the main seal, and the dust seal will catch it for a while.
0: Right, and when it, it fills up, spills then. It
1: out in the brake shoes, then you got a much bigger problem. So right. Hey, let's go back to our phone I just got Joe line. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a 02 F-250 diesel okay. with, a, I think, seven 7.3 in it. Yes, sir. And I noticed that I have a little bit of diesel on top of my intake manifold. Yeah, pretty common on those. Can you give me an idea of where it might be leaking from? Boy, there's tons of places, Joe. The most, I guess the most common is at the fuel filter. There's a little sensor or switch that screws inside of there. Mm-hmm. We change those all the time. So look there first and see, and you can buy those little seal kit from Ford. Those are pretty easy. You probably do it yourself. The fuel filter housings leak some too. Now, beyond that, the fuel rails where they go into the injectors, there's some seals down there. That probably would be over the head of most do-it-yourselfers. But we do that as well. Now, those things are charged up pretty high. On a 7.3, you've got kind of a low-pressure pump that puts pressure to the injectors, and and the main pressure, the 25,000 PSI, is inside the injector. But yeah. they got a low-pressure rail, which is probably, I think, two or 300 PSI up on the top, and any one of those can leak. Any mm-hmm. diesel is going to be kind of prone to leakage like that. What they do a lot of times, we get them I in, mean, people think the rear main seal's leaking because if it gets bad enough, it'll fill that little valley up, and it goes down as a hole in the back. and runs down the back of the motor and drips out by the seal. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I've seen people end up pulling transmission out to change the rear main seal, <laughs> and, and it was some in- injector tubes or something. But uh, look at those two that I told you. If that's not it, you might want to run it to the shop and Justin can check it and tell you exactly if it's an injector yeah, seal or something. If it's
0: not those two, I'm not getting any deeper now. Yeah,
3: I'm,
1: yeah. I'm
0: let y'all... yeah. I've, I've tried to
1: get into there and it's just, it's not real, you know.
0: No, it's, no, it's, it's just not friendly. Tough. It's not friendly at all. <laughs> it's pretty no. tough. That's
1: just nature of diesels, man. They got a lot of junk piled up on top of them. Good engines and all, especially seven 7.3 was a great engine. But... Oh, no, I love my truck. I, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'll drive it until. It dies and then probably rebuild it and drive it some more. I had a fella in just earlier this week and he needed two of his injectors start leaking real bad, and he had two hundred sixty-eight thousand miles on it. So we decided to put all eight injectors, which is a pretty healthy bill, probably close to thirty-eight hundred dollars repair bill. And said, "Hey, I don't care." He says, "I I love this truck, man. I ain't buying another one. Fix it." And we fixed it up. He says, "Hey, best money ever spent. Drives like a new one." And he'll probably drive it for another two hundred thousand miles. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So. All
3: right, well, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate you all. all
1: Have a real good day. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. One thing about diesel, they run and run and run. They're really good, but, boy, when they break, they are expensive to fix.
0: Well, that's the nature of the vehicle. Yeah,
1: the parts prices on them are very, very high relative to gasoline engines. Right. Just because it's much heavier, much more, I don't know, technologically refined or whatever. But some of the stuff on there really kind of shocks me. Because I'm used to putting injectors in a V8 Ford, which is 80 bucks a piece. Right. And you go get these ones for this. Uh, <laughs> this diesel? Diesel, and they're 450 bucks each. And there's eight of them? And there's eight of them. Plus yeah. about six hours labor to get to them and change them.
0: Yeah, they got a lot of stuff piled on top of those. They all. really
1: do. And the 7.3 was relatively simple compared to, say, the six zero or the 6.4 or even the new 6.8. Man, those there's an egr cooler on there that's probably 500 bucks and there's an all cooler that's another 500 bucks and all that kind of stuff's piled on there along with all of it <laughs> right
0: with all the stuff you used to have yeah
1: you get stuff like on your six liters boy they really really don't like to have a chip put in them we get people will stick a chip in a six liter and inevitably they're going to eat a turbo or something like that when that happens just because they, they're not going to take that they don't like chips at all right and you start putting a turbo on there and boy you
0: Oh, you eat up some, some cash <laughs> quick.
1: You are up in the big numbers there. You know, four or five thousand bucks pretty fast. And then if it takes one of them turbo blades down the intake, yeah, you into a new engine. So, yeah, I would highly, highly advise anybody with a six liter to not put a chip in there. The old seven threes you can get by with it. You just up for transmission and stuff. Yeah, they're just not designed for that. No. <laughs> you're not gonna take it. It hey, would we'll take one more quick little break and we'll be right back with more, You want more? Welcome. I am the Great Fandu, Automobile Fortune Teller.
2: See, I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah,
1: I see you among many cars, stopping
2: and going.
1: Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light.
2: Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon.
3: If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future.
2: Break fondue, you should try another
3: profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well,
2: I was a mechanic at one of those quickie
1: lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller.
3: Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
1: This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander. with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we'll put you right up at the top of the list. We got Johnny online. Good morning, Johnny. I got a 04 Odyssey. Okay. And i wondering what mileage, I got about 110,000
0: on it. And I was wondering when I would start looking at changing the power steering fluid.
1: Oh, I would do it right now, Johnny, if you hadn't done it already. Real inexpensive, real easy to do. Now, on the Honda, you do have to use the Honda Fluid. You, can either, right. you don't have to go to a Honda dealer to buy that. There are some parts stores that are carrying it now, but just make sure it says applicable to Honda and Acker because it is a different fluid from the others. But, yeah, real simple to do. Just go on the website, pop on there, read that article. I mean, it's something you can do yourself. I would like to really do it, Johnny, about every probably every 30,000 is not too often, but at least every 60,000 miles just because, like any lubricant, it does break down. and It's got seal conditioners in it that keep those seals soft and pliable. And what happens when the seals get old? It's not gonna quit working. It's just your seals gonna start getting hard, and next thing you know, something's leaking. By the time that happens, it's too late. Changing it, it's you like transmission fluid or anything else. If you keep it fresh, it's gonna keep the seals pliable. How about your brake fluid? How often you
0: change that every?
1: Well, there's some disagreement on that, and if you read that article, it'll go into that. But I like to say every two to three years. Honda, I think, recommends every 30,000 miles, but that's a little bit misleading because miles are not a good indication of a chemical reaction. It occurs 24-7. Right. So let's say it took you 10 years to put 30,000 miles. It would be totally contaminated. By the same token, if you put 30,000 miles in one year, it's going to be like brand new. So I like to go by years on it. And generally, we go in and purge the system out completely when we do a brake service of any kind. That's the first thing we do. So it kind of runs along with the brake services. And most people are going to get 30,000, 40,000 miles on a set of brakes anyway. But if not, I would like to do it probably every two to three years, just because you got a big hydraulic control unit called a modulator on that Honda right. that probably costs about eighteen hundred bucks. And you can do that brake fluid real easy. Again, you could probably do it yourself. If not, bring it to a shop. The charge is real low to do that. How many
0: nickels and dimes are we talking about for the brake fluid and power steering? Fluid?
1: Well, like I said, I would really advise you to try to do power steering yourself. You just don't want to do it. Probably 40 bucks, 50 bucks at the most, and probably about $60, 65 brake fluid. You know, not a big deal either way compared to what you're protecting. Okay. All right.
0: All right. See you next week. Thank All you right, much.
1: Johnny. Have a good day. Thanks, Have sir. Mm, bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. Why don't you go give us a call? We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. <laughs> so I'm talking to myself all of a sudden. Uh-oh.
0: Yeah, he brings up a real good point about mm-hmm. the brake fluid and yep. the power steering fluid, yep. and you're doing a little to save a lot.
1: That's right, and that is the basic definition of maintenance is to do something that costs a very little that prevents something that costs a whole lot. If it doesn't meet that criteria – then it's really not maintenance at all. And there's lots of things that are also being touted as maintenance, which are no more than a shop's way of trying to make some extra money off of you. Exactly. Kind of like all these flushes and stuff that they're selling, upper intake flush and lower engine flush and all that That is nothing more than snake oil. That does nothing. That is something that just costs money but doesn't really offer any benefit.
0: And the machines that are out to do it now, a Tech can handle that job. That's right. So they pay him very little to do it. Right. They collect a a whole lot on the top. And the shop ends up making more money on it.
1: Well, they do, and that's why they push them. I mean, obviously, they're not pushing them because they're not making money on it. And, you know, we, I guess— bash General Motors a lot on the show just because of the way they build cars, yeah. <laughs> but I got to give them kudos where kudos are deserved as well. This week, I found a bulletin that they issued recently where they came down and slammed these flushing machines, and right. I, I wished I'd have printed a copy out and brought it with me. I'd give you the number and all on it, but General Motors officially came out and said, do not flush our transmissions. So I don't know what all their dealers are going to do to (laughs) to make money now, but it says a proper service involves removing the pan and replacing the filter and the fluid, which is what we've been saying on the show for 30 years. Exactly. But they basically came out as part of a much bigger article on subsystem flushing of all types, where they're talking about the crankcase flushes and the upper intake intake flushes and the fuel injection flushes and all the other crap All of that uh, being well, pushed on people.
0: They're creating more problems than they're fixing.
1: Well, and even worse than that, I think, is that what it does when you've got that kind of shenanigans going on, it throws a roadblock up to people because people are pretty smart and they right. know when they're being taken. And so when you suggest a legitimate service to them, then they're kind of, well, you yeah, know, okay, you know, they're, they got right, that. Right, real gunshot. Right. So what is happening is a dual Disservice. Number one, they're being overcharged for junk they don't need. But number two, they're making people apprehensive about getting the stuff they do need. Exactly. So it really kind of hurts people both ways. People are paying on both ends, as it were. They're paying for some junk they don't need, and then they're not doing something that they do need. So it's kind of a double whammy, I guess. I had a fellow that came in earlier this week, Might remember little explorer, and he had gone to some tire store, told him he needed ball joints and all kind of other stuff. Right. And thank goodness the gentleman remembered that he had had that service done not i guess two years before at another shop so he said hey i'm gonna get a second opinion he brought it to us and it was absolutely nothing wrong with the ball joints they were no, fine they were good i mean he had
0: he had a noise in the front
1: noise in the front which is a stabilizer end link and the front had never been aligned because no one's ever put cams in it right he was leaning because he had the torsion bars all screwed up but you level the vehicle out, set the put the cams in, set the alignment. The car is fine. But what kind of gets me is he actually says, "Well, can you flush the injectors while it's there?" And I said, "Why? Why in the world would you do that?" Right. Oh, I thought you're supposed to do that ever so often. No, 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 no. That is not maintenance. Fuel injection flushing number one is almost never needed. If it is needed, you're gonna know about it because the car is gonna be running like devil if the injectors are plugged up. It's gonna be missing that idle, running rough, that kind of stuff. But this routine flushing injectors is absolute snake-all.
0: And the thing about it is you can do more damage by doing it.
1: You can damage the car by doing it, and that's what General Motors goes to into in their bulletin because I'm sure they're not that worried about people getting ripped off. They're more worried about damaging their cars. Right,
0: <laughs> especially under warranty.
1: Yeah, if it's under warranty, and that's one thing it says. If you do this and it damages the car, we ain't covering it. That's right. Yeah, you, you go flush your crankcase out and wipe out your seals, and it comes in with a rear main seal leaking, we're not covering it under warranty. Because you put some chemical in there that, that damages the car.
0: That's right, and it's easy to do. Yeah, you know, every time you go to a parts store to get something, you need some fuel injector flush. No, they they keep pushing yeah. that stuff yeah. on you. It's
1: not a silver bullet, man. One
0: bottle of that right. ethanol. Well, it's just, well you've already know. got ten percent. You already got ethanol in your fuel. Right. Add more. So now you got twenty percent. Right. And it's not gonna the vehicle's not gonna run right. Right. And some people think. More is better. Oh, yeah, they put so two, there, two bottles two in there. Two bottles in there, and then you're really in trouble. Well, you
1: can dissolve the lining in your fuel tank. And we had a, a Ford come in earlier this week, barely running. And first thing we did, checked it, and you could tell it was, it was running out of gas. Uh-huh. The oxygen sensors were both pegged all the way on lean. I mean, it, in fact, the guy thought he needed two oxygen sensors because it set 202 02 codes. Right. Both oxygen sensors were pegged all the way lean, like the car's running out of gas. Well, the first thing you do is you check. The fuel pressure, fuel pressure is good. Mm-hmm. Check fuel volume, fuel volume is good. Check the airflow meter, and it's reading 75 grams per second, which is physically impossible. So we know the airflow meter's bad. We go in, we replace the airflow meter. Well, now it drops back down to around four and a half, five grams per second, which is where it should be. But the engine's still completely lean, just lean as a bird. And I mean, it's dumping 30% extra fuel into the thing. Start checking a little further. We pull the injectors out, and they are all plugged up with some fine-looking mist. So we cleaned the four that are easiest to get to. Took them out, reversed them, flushed them, put them back in. Still running too lean. Right. So finally, it occurred to me. I said, "Well, let's check the fuel in this thing." So we ran a check. He had E85 in it. I, How didn't, about think, that? I didn't think anybody was even selling that junk in Baton Rouge yet. But he got it from somewhere. He got it somewhere. I didn't ask him where, but. It's eighty five percent alcohol. Well that car cannot run on that.
0: No, it won't stand it.
1: No, some of the newer cars are flex fuel, they are designed I don't think they're gonna run very well and not gonna get good gas mileage, but they I'm, can run on it.
0: I'm not sure the sensor on the fuel rail.
1: Some have that. Some of the new General Motors products don't have a sensor at all. It's just the computer is smart enough that it can detect it, and it can retune for it. Right. And it does, the, the Ford's had an optical sensor on the ones that were flex fuel where it could detect it. Uh-huh. But your GM doesn't have anything on it that's external. It's all built into the PCM, and I guess the sensor's on the engine. It knows when it's got that E85 in there. But a car not designed for that, it's, it's running out run of run gas. Right. It's only got 15% gas and a whole bunch of something else that it can't run on. Right. So we ended up having to drain the fuel tank, clean all the lines out, take the injectors out, and clean those course, running good now. It also wiped out the airflow meter, but there is a possibility he may have a problem with his fuel tank or fuel system down the road.
0: Almost definitely. Those and, lines will deteriorate and end up either plugging a fuel filter or, depending on where the line deteriorates right, at, could get back in the injectors, the injectors again, or whatever. in the rails.
1: So, yeah. something you might want to watch for, it should be labeled on the pump. If you see E85, a lot of people don't realize what that is, and they may even see... Burns cleaner, good for the environment, or some dribble like that. Yeah, and think, mo- well, I'm going to do good. I'm going to put this in there. <laughs>
0: the, the biggest thing is the price difference.
1: Yeah, and you know, you you, e- E85, you're unless it's being subsidized. Correct. Some governments are subsidized. and get to bring the price down and try to push the junk on us.
0: Well, if it's the cheapest thing in town, yeah, there's, there's odds but if somebody's going there. But if
1: E85 on there, you better make darn sure it's your car is flex fuel able. And another thing is you got to remember – ethanol has 33 percent less energy in it than gasoline
0: right so you're going to get less you're going to miles lose per about 60
1: percent of your power and you're going to lose about 60 percent of your mileage that's right your mileage is going to drop down when you put that in there even if it's designed to run on it just because there's not as much energy inherently in alcohol as there is in gasoline correct so just something to watch out for that's the first one we've had come in but i'm going to be watching because yeah it's obviously somebody in town is selling it or maybe they put it in the pump not knowing i, I don't know how it got uh, in there i don't know It sure did a number on that poor guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be nice to find out where it came from.
1: Yeah. Hey, let's go back to our phones. Byron, good morning, Byron. Yes, I have a 1985 Mazda Uh RX-7 with the rotary engine. Yes, sir. Can you tell me something about the rotary engine? I've heard some bad things about them, and uh, can you give me some information? Byron, I know very, very little about them, just like everybody else. there's probably three people on the face of the planet that knows anything about them. I know they, they run pretty good when they're running good, and they end up blowing the seals out inevitably and then they don't run work for darn. And they can be repaired if you got somebody who knows what to are doing. But it's one of those better ideas they came up with, threw it in a bunch of cars, and then... Bailed on it. Yeah, and then bailed on it because it didn't sell. And, you know, that's what happens a lot of times, kind of like these hybrids and stuff. You know, they're not selling either, and, and I'm not surprised they wouldn't bail on them pretty soon. Everybody's got one's going to be stuck with it. Mm. I don't know who to tell you in Baton Rouge. I mean, you might go and Google it and see. There's probably somebody in this city that knows a bunch about them. I know they can they can get to a point where they'll start burning all and they'll start blowing back through the turbo and all that kind of stuff lose power. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you having any particular problem with yours?
3: Well, I was looking at uh, I
1: really don't own one but I was looking at it, buying one and I'd heard bad things about yeah. the rotary engine about what kind of mileage do you start having these problems with them? Man, I've seen uh-huh. people get 120, 130 on them and I've seen people come in at 60 with problems. We had a little a lady that uh, had one. She absolutely loved her little car. But about 60,000 miles, it started burning so much oil, she couldn't stay in it. It looked like a fog, like a mosquito truck going down the road, you know. And we ended up getting a motor for her from somewhere and replacing the motor, and that fixed it, but it was quite a bit of money. She just wanted it done. I would probably avoid it if it was me, Byron. I mean, there's just too many other nice cars out there you can get for the same price range that people can work on, and it's not going to be a pain or a thorn in your side. Well, what about that little Miata? Does that have a rotary engine in it? Or is that no? Uh, no, I think that's got a little four cylinder piston motor in it. They're not a bad little car. I mean, they are they, not real heavy and robust, but they,
0: no, they they small. If you're a big big man, yeah, you gonna you gonna be uh,
1: be sure you drive it and make sure you're comfortable in it before you yeah. buy because they're real small, they're real tight when you drive. It. Okay, well, I sure appreciate it. Enjoy yourself. All right, your right Bye. thank you, man. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we're gonna take one last quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
2: So, Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and me are a good match? Yes, as I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting?
3: Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At AGCO, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road.
2: Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh? Ah, c'est la vie.
3: My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
1: Back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altzan, president of Agco Automotive. I got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco, here in the co pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, I bet you we can answer any question you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we got Frank online. Good morning, Frank. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, I got a 2001 Jeep Cherokee. Mm-hmm.
3: I have a serious vacuum leak. I'm okay. trying to get an inspection sticker. I have a rejection that's expired. Hey, okay. What done. do you mean
1: by vacuum leak? What's it doing, Frank?
3: Uh, well, actually, cars run fine.
1: Mm-hmm. I just can't pass the inspection. they and they tell me it's because I have a, a vacuum leak. Okay, there is no code for a vacuum leak. So, oh. do you know what the code is that is given? No, but that's what I'm told. That's wrong. You need to find out what the code is. Now, it could be an evaporative emissions right. leak, which a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about will say is a vacuum leak. And a vacuum leak is one possible cause of that. Out of about a hundred different causes. So you're just going to need to get the code. When they gave you the rejection, they should have put the code on there. Okay. And it'll say something like evaporative emissions, small leak, evaporative emissions, large, large leak, leak, something right. like that. That's what I that probably was. They told me it was a large leak. and That All could right, be yeah. anything as simple as a gas cap. Did that already. Okay. And those vehicles have a lot of trouble with the hoses back by the fuel tank. will crack on them. Uh-huh. Jeep does not sell those hoses separately any longer. you got to buy an entire gas tank to get them, but we've had pretty good luck retrofitting standard off-the-shelf hoses and making them up okay. just because they want, like, 900 bucks for a fuel tank, and that's out of the question. Yeah. There's also a part in there called a leak detection pump, which is a little gizmo that sucks a vacuum on it to test it. Like those that, go out right? quite a bit. Yeah, probably what you're going to need to do is get somebody who knows what to do and quit throwing parts at it because you ain't never going to hit it. We yeah. got a smoke machine we put on it that'll fill the system with smoke and you can see where the, where the smoke's and, coming and out. And they did that. They did
0: that. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was from the, the pump. And then they said, well, you must still have a small leak somewhere else because, you, you know, we you still detect a... Uh, that is showing up. Well,
1: let me ask you this. Whenever you told him to do that, what did they tell you? They said, this is going to fix it? He, he thought it what He didn't say guaranteed, no. He said, yeah, he you need to find a new shop. Okay. You need to find a new shop. If you brought it to me, I'd have told you, hey, I'm going to do this, and it's going to fix it. I guarantee it. If it didn't, I'm going to fix it. What you, you need to price. do, Frank,
0: is go to our website. Yeah. There's an article on there about how to select a great shop. That's right. Read that article. Take, it to, take the advice on it and find somebody that can work on that vehicle right. for you. No,
1: that is also an article on EVAP systems. If you go to the search bar and just type in the word EVAP, E-V-A-P,
0: yeah,
1: uh, it'll bring you to a thing. will explain how the whole system works to you. That's not a big deal to find. Pretty common problem on the Jeeps.
3: All right. Well, Most likely, it's going to be one of the hoses back
1: by the tank. If I mean, if you change the cap and you change the leak detection pump, it's still there. I bet you it's going to be one of them hoses back there by the tank. Pretty yeah. common. Yeah, I remember the, the old days when you get a break tag, it was to make sure the <laughs> car was safe. Now, it's, 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 the environmentalists in San Francisco don't want to my car. Frank, don't get me started, man. You know, we, we have this conversation on a daily basis. I had a lady in there yesterday who needed a headlight and a little Cadillac. $200 for the bulb, and it's two hours to change it. You know, I said this is insane. Uh-huh. Yeah, this and is absolutely insane. Fine. My car runs fine. I don't want to tamper with it too yeah. much. Yeah, that's right. Probably get it where it ain't running by the time yeah. you're done. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I appreciate yeah. your help. Yeah, get that somebody knows what to do, and they'll find that pretty quick. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think we got time maybe to get one more call in here. We got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Yes, my mother has a two thousand and ten Ford Focus. Okay. And it's about a year and a half old from when she bought it. She brought it in to the Ford dealer, she's got two thousand miles on it and they said, Well, it needs to be changed every five thousand miles. Well that's gonna be two years, maybe three years down the road. Yeah, you talking about oil? I told her the old way was Every three
0: thousand miles, yeah. or once a year.
1: Well, and you see, on that, it's much, much worse because Bruce, she's not ever driving it far enough to get all hot. I mean, if you wait two and a half years to get the all change, you're gonna have a rear main seal leaking it by the time you got five thousand miles. But you right. got a warranty on the years. At least once a year. Uh, no, calling you guys to no see less. what y'all suggested. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be doing it by every six months, or I'd be putting synthetic oil in if you want to go once a year. Because right. that is the absolute hardest type of mileage there is. And see, the Ford dealer that told her that hadn't read the Ford manual. Because if he had, he would see that if your average trip is less than 10 miles, Ford says that is extreme service, and they recommend every 3,000 miles. Okay. So you know, people don't understand about all changes. They give a blanket statement, but people drive different. You know, Your mother probably goes to the beauty shop in it once a week. She goes to church in it once a week. She goes to the grocery store once a week. Car probably never warms up. Right. Her average right. trip's two, three miles at a time. So. That's considered extreme service. I would probably change that all right now, and I would probably put synthetic all in it. Just because as often as she's going to change it, the difference in price ain't going to make any difference, and it would give her a lot more protection. And then yeah, I'd change well, i change it at her, least once a year, no, no less than once a year. Well, that's what I told her, because I know in the old manuals that's what they told you. Yes. Right. And you know, even in the new synthetics. manual, if you read it properly, it will tell you that that is considered extreme service. And if you look at the extreme service schedule, they're going to tell you you need to change that all a whole lot. You know, that's a blue sky estimate. You got a salesman, he lives in Baton Rouge and he works from here to Dallas and he puts 300 miles on his car every time he starts it up. Well, yeah, yeah. he could go 7,000 miles, you know, easily. uh,
0: if she puts synthetic in it, Mm-hmm. How far can she go before she has to have it changed again?
1: Well, you see, she's not going to put enough miles to, to even be a factor, but I would it's not go be, more than a year.
0: Right, it's going to be a time yeah, issue. Yeah, I would
1: never go more than a year because at the end of a year, you can have so much moisture build up in that all. that. Uh, and, and really and truly, Bruce, if you want to do her a big favor, go over there on Sunday and maybe take her down to Mittendorf's in her car. You'll put a right, few miles right. on on the highway. Just say, hey, Mama, let's go, let's go out and eat, and I'm gonna, we're going to take your car. Because it really needs some highway driving. Uh, if she keeps on driving like that, you know, her battery is going to go dead on her. She's going to have trouble with it. Now, so she could go. If she don't put synthetic in it. Mm-hmm. I'd well, be changing every six suggest months. i at least once a year. Well, I'd do every year. i do twice a year if I'm if using regular oil. Right, right. Okay, then. All righty. All right, thank you. Okay, Bruce, right. thank you, man. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. That's one of those things that I guess the dealers don't seem to get, that everybody is different. The way they use their car is different. Exactly. Even the car companies in their blue sky sided exuberance will tell you that's extreme conditions. You need to change it all a lot more often.
0: Right, because that's the worst thing you can do to vehicles well, not sure. drive it. They want to be out on the road. 2,000 they need miles to be out in a year road. and
1: a half, man. That, that car has never hey, gotten to operating temperature. No, no. So you crank it up. It's 40 degrees outside, the engine warms up, it goes up to 100, 110, 120, 150, 180, you shut it off. It cools back down. What happens in south Louisiana when a hot piece of metal cools off?
0: It condensates. Yeah, that's
1: it. And the oil's going to pick it up and it's going to hold it. Next time it happens, it's going to do it again, do it again, do it again. In a year and a half, you've probably got 10% moisture in your oil. That's right. It starts the, attacking all the metal in the engine, starts the, eating the cylinder walls, eating the piston rings up.
0: The filter media will not take out moisture.
1: That's right. Yeah, It's, like, gonna it's right going to pass right through it all. Right, right through the oil filter because it's a liquid just like the oil is. Exactly. And really the best thing would be to try to get that engine up to operating temperature and hold it for a period of time, take it out in the interstate, drive it for 30, 40 miles at a oh, time, yeah. at least once a week or so. And I know it's it's kind of difficult for elderly people just because, number one, to them, a car is an absolute necessity to get from point A to point B. It's not something they really enjoy driving. A lot of them don't like driving anyway. A lot of them don't feel safe going out on the interstate and all that, so they don't want to do it. So if you've got children or you've got a neighbor or somebody that you trust a whole lot, let them take it out and go drive right. it. and I wouldn't probably let my grandkids take it, but well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other story. to say. <laughs> that's a story for a whole other day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you ought to get it back more problems than that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we appreciate you listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour.
0: We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends so we can get some more people listening.
1: That's right. Hey, preceding was our opinion. Based on our experience in the automotive industry, have a great weekend.